Hello and welcome to the Internet Radio Podcast with Radio.co. My name is Rhys Hancock and this week I'll be talking to Tim Johns, the producer of The Jeremy Vine Show on BBC Radio 2. We'll be talking about producing, reporting, radio packages and much, much more. Get on the air from anywhere, anywhere. Radio. Hey Tim, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Pleasure. Very well, Reese. Yeah, thanks. So you are the producer of The Jeremy Vine Show on BBC Radio 2. Would you be able to tell us about yourself, more about yourself and how you got into the radio industry? Yeah, I always, well, I say I always wanted to work in radio. I sort of always wanted to work for the BBC, but I maybe wasn't confident enough at school, so I pursued a geography degree. But I spent the majority of my time at university doing student radio, so that was really my degree. Uh, and did lots of work experience and then got into local BBC. Um, did lots of jobs over the course of about six years and then moved over to Radio 2. So, uh, yes, I did end up working, I think, where I wanted to. So that's, I count myself fortunate. So how, Im- how important was student radio for uh, building your career, essentially? Uh, vital. I mean, anyone who's done student radio thinks it's the most important thing ever and they are biased because they did it and then they, therefore they think it's great. So there's no, perhaps no surprise. But um, I, if I try and do the BBC thing of being completely impartial, I think that is absolutely true because the contacts you make and the experience you have and, you know, because I did four years of messing around in the studio making loads of rubbish radio. I mean, not rubbish, some of it was great, it was very creative, but, you know, no one was going to pay for it. But I got all that out of my system and, and by the time I entered a professional gig um i i was better <laughs> if i'd done one year on a radio course and gone straight into the job arguably i wouldn't have had as many skills that i learned yeah messing around in my university bedroom so now you find yourself obviously at radio 2 in the jeremy vine show what goes into producing the jeremy vine show well we're a a, a lunchtime current affairs program on a otherwise music entertainment station uh, we're two hours monday to friday and we do four stories a day which typically reflect the main news agenda so we get in fairly early we look through all the papers we collect our thoughts we have a morning meeting um i'm one of a small handful of producers and we take it in turns to pitch what stories we should discuss that day what we should cover how we should cover it who we should talk to and then my boss the editor of the program uh, he uh, decides which four topics we're going to do and then we all scurry off and we have about an hour and a half to two hours to we'll probably typically get one story each and we have to find the guests book the guests sort out the logistics write a script like an intro script uh, do some background briefing notes and just work out any other logistics um, and if i'm not doing that if we have enough staff on a particular day typically my boss would dispatch me to make a, a radio package about one of the topics and then 12 to 2 it's half like guests and discussion and half phone in so most of our energies during the actual program go towards finding and talking to and selecting the the the, the you know best callers yeah so is it quite an intense process then if you've only got a few hours to get everything sorted or is there quite a lot of pre-planning beforehand we only we do four things a day and we typically try and have one thing in the bag just in case someone's sick basically i mean the yeah. logistics also if you if you want to interview the prime minister or whatever that doesn't typically happen on the day so for big guests and and you know people we won't, might not get on the day we t- tend to set one thing up but the rest is all on the day so i think i think you get used to it but um i'm reminded when people come and sit in for the day and they're always like wow that was that was intense i think it 
<laughs> any any daily news program, I think, will be. Okay, so you also, well, you're a producer and a reporter on the show, and uh, obviously BBC Radio 2 is one of the biggest stations in the UK, so presenting to millions of listeners must surely be fairly nerve-wracking. How do you uh, make sure your reports are uh, spot on? Say, um, years of high-quality BBC training. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I suppose it's experience of putting the nerves to one side. Um, Yeah. Even in... I mean, there's no doubt when I started the job, it was, you know, a lot more stressful than it is now because you get used to to whatever you're you're doing. Um, so, yes, it's no different to when I worked at local radio. I, I guess it's just you, you're never broadcasting a fact that you're uncertain about and you're always double-checking everything and consulting other people where you need to and, you know, phoning other people for advice and help. And the only difficulty within all that is, is time. So occasionally, if there's a fact I absolutely can't verify, I'll... I'll, I'll leave it out. Yeah. I've only got three minutes to report, and sometimes you can be vague as long as you communicate um, the topic, uh, communicate it, and to do it justice. You were talking earlier about uh, radio packages, and what's your approach to uh, radio packages? Uh, are they important in modern radio, or are they a thing of the past? I think they're somewhat a thing of the past, which I say reluctantly, purely based on the fact that there aren't that many about. I We use them on the programme. They're used not enough, but they are used partly in local radio. The Today programme still has has a few. You can find, they're few and far between, you can, but you can find short, finely home ones in some um, commercial broadcasters' main news bulletins, which is lovely where that happens. Um, I mean, I, I have a fondness for them, and I think they're a brilliant, fantastic way to, you know, if you're a journalist and you've got a story to deliver and you've got all the best bits of the story over here in audio, you can stitch it together in a in a meaningful way to tell that story the best you possibly can for your um, format, which is radio. So I, I love radio packages. What was the original question? Have I answered it? <laughs> oh, are they important in modern radio? Um, oh, yeah. I think I, think I have oh, answered yeah, it. I yeah, I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. Good. Um, now, obviously, as, as I previously said, you do both producing and presenting, and going from one to the other can be a bit of a learning curve. Do you have any tips for any broadcasters ma- wanting to make the transition? I th- hmm. It depends which way they're wanting to make the transition, I suppose. I, typically, because people often harbour a secret desire to be a presenter, um, I don't. I don't think I do. I like. I like being on air, but I like the mix of producing and presenting. I think I'd miss one or the other if I so I've always done a bit of cover presenting and in local radio I was lucky enough to do like introducing and so that was all that's good but I think if you want to do what I do that's different to if you want to fully make the transition to be a presenter if I wanted to fully be a presenter um, I would probably be looking to give up my job immediately because you know you can spend years producing but that that ain't going to get you on air Um, yeah if you want to do that you need to you know be willing to travel go anywhere make demo reels all the time email the controllers of every station here there and everywhere you know drive all around cover terrible shifts um, <laughs> take gigs wherever you can get them and yeah i'd be i'd be making my own podcast i'd be doing everything i could to to get my presenting up to where it would need to be to get noticed so if you want to be a presenter take it very seriously and if you want to cross from being a presenter to a producer put your ego to one side and you know radio production is ultimately about making someone else sound good yeah i mean if you do want to do both um it probably goes back to student radio i mean doing student radio and local radio you get to do both so you get to 
um, well, in in some in some cases, you don't always get a job where you can do everything. But sometimes, certainly in student radio, you can do a bit of producing and a bit of presenting. And and having uh, it is useful when producers come in and come into our team and they have the ability that you can say, oh, can you just go and record this statement, or can you go and do that, or can we can't find anyone else to do it? Can you just read up about this story and do a two way on it? Um, if they have the skills to do that, then great. Then they are a producer and a presenter and a reporter. And whatever but but a lot of people don't so i think doing student radio and hospital radio community radio local radio and practicing both and keeping a hand in a bit in both is is important so if i wasn't getting to do reporting now i again i'd probably find time to make a podcast which i keep thinking i should do anyway but um yeah when uh, when we were researching you we, we found that you actually produced some of your own music uh one was called potato song is that right <laughs> yeah, it's a few years old, but yeah, yeah. Does that does that help your radio career at all? Or should, should I, radio, I don't think no. I don't think Potato Song has ever been described <laughs> as music before. Producer, well. that's very generous. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the the Potato Song. Um, honestly, it's not as stupid as it sounds. Maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, it does have a serious point behind it, I suppose, in that it's part of. I had a phase when I used to work at Radio Lincolnshire and live in Lincoln when. Um, you know, I had a, a, a spare hour here or there in the evening, and I used them making the occasional video for me uh, for my YouTube channel, and that was just one of them. And it was silly, but I I started doing it because I wanted to get better at video editing because I thought um, it was one of a few videos I made for YouTube at a time in my career where I thought, well, I should probably get better at video editing. I work in radio. You know, it's the modern era and everything, and everyone needs to know a bit of video, don't they? So, I, ju- I made a few silly videos. One, a horse soap opera, and this song about potatoes. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they weren't that funny, but they were a very good um, uh, exercise in shooting and filming my own video. And yeah, I used to tinker around with bits of music when I was younger. And you know, it's just another little skill. If you need to make a bit of music for something, if you have to, you you can. And just all good skills to have really. yeah so so it's kind of a process of self-development and as we mentioned previously you've done a lot with student radio what advice would you give uh for people wanting to break into the industry to develop their own um skills things things like the potato song yeah don't don't do that it's already been done and i don't know how well it went down but um yeah i always say to people it's just about do it yourself i mean if you're applying for unless you've applied for a job in radio and they've gone here you go you've got the job full time straight in that you know it doesn't very often happen so in the meantime you need to be practicing whatever skills you want to use professionally so um yeah writing a blog making a podcast about the thing you like doing a little film series on youtube all of those things even if no one reads it or listens it doesn't matter because you have a portfolio that you can point to and you'll just get better at doing it until when you do get employed you'll fly because you can actually do the things that you're getting paid to do Okay, do you have, uh, finally, do you have any sort of essential on-air tips that everyone should know? I think the longer I work in this industry, the harder and harder I find it to answer um, some of the questions that, that you I always get asked, like top tips for getting work experience or yeah. on-air or um, how do you, you know, progress your career. I think ultimately the answer to all of those questions comes down to common sense and being yourself, uh, I know that sounds really naff, but if if it's on air tips, then 
you know, it's just practice and common sense. And ultimately, some people are really good at it, and some people take a bit longer to get there. But either way, it's there's no there's no tip you can give someone that will make them the next biggest presenter of all time. Yeah, that 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 makes, and I suppose from my experience with talking to people in radio, everyone's journeys are very different. Yeah, yeah, totally. So there's no. I think one rule should probably be that you should never follow all the rules completely. Yeah, that makes sense. Tim Johns, uh, producer of Jeremy Vine on Radio 2, thank you very much. Pleasure, thank you. That's your lot for this podcast. Thank you to Tim Johns, producer of Jeremy Vine on Radio 2. But don't forget, if you are yet to start your radio station online, make sure you check out radio.co. For your free seven-day trial, go to try.radio.co. My name is Rhys Hancock. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Internet Radio Podcast.